tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Uh, it was a bold declaration from a sitting vice president and chairman of the economic management team, Dr. Mohamed Upamia, to abolish a raft of taxes introduced by his government under his watch, if elected president. Uh, well, tonight, the MPP minority, the NDC minority in parliament, is set to test sincerity of his intention by presenting a private member's bill in the House to abolish the taxes. This, according to the minority leader, Dr. Casey Latoforsen, is to test whether the vice president can get his MPP side to back such a bill. He was speaking in a yet-to-be-aired edition of PM Express with Evans Mensah. Vice President, we all know today he's the second in command in the President Takufuado's government. Second in command. He acts as president when the president is out of the country. He is the leader of the MPP, the ruling party. If he so desires and want this bill, uh, this tax removed, he should do it now. He still hasn't to prove to the people of Ghana that the leader of the MPP, the governing MPP party, well, the, the leader, the party is not the government. Oh, the leader, the governing MPP party. The executive president takes. Let me tell you. The final decision. Let me tell you. He is not. He cannot hoodwink the people of Ghana on the back of his stories. We've had enough. We've had enough of this. 
And in the coming days, I'll tell you what we are going to do. We will get someone, probably to bring a private member's bill to get these taxes removed and see if the MPP will support it. Which of them? Let's list them. E-Levy? A number of the taxes. Emission levy that we voted for. And some of the VAT. The VAT, the betting, betting tax, tax, and all of that. And, and so we should remove the tax on betting. And allow the betting industry. And find better ways if you want to regulate it, regulate it but as such. I'm curious about this announcement you've made about your plan to have the bills removed, repealed. Yes. I mean, because it's currently law which has been implemented. Why now? Okay, so the vice president has signaled to us that they don't want these taxes. That's what he said. And we saw their MPs in favor of these taxes, uh, uh, in favor of the, uh, pres the vice president's position. We had them. We saw some of them. So we want to test whether it is genuine. And so we'll bring the bill before parliament, and we'll get them to vote for or vote against it, and we'll see how it works. But he says we'll do it next year. Why next year? Let me tell you, Evans, the people of Ghana cannot wait and go through this kind of excruciating hardships. We are suffering. I come from a rural community. My constituents are struggling. They are going through difficult times on the back of some of these taxes. Remove the vet, bet, betting tax now. Remove the emission levy now. Remove the e-levy now. Now, e-levy. Even if you send 50 Ghana cities, they will deduct it. Even if you transfer money from your own wallet to another wallet of yours, they will deduct it. Contrary to what the law is saying. Contrary to the MPP's own, uh, what do you call it, promise to the people of Ghana. They should remove it now. Or the full interview is tonight on PM Express at 9 p.m. Well, let's still stay in Parliament because the Executive Director for the African Centre for Parliamentary Affairs, Dr. Rashid Rahman, is calling on Parliament to show its resolve in enforcing its own standing orders to ensure that it exhibits uh, trust in its own rules. Now, he is urging MPs to draw the attention of uh, the Speaker to development that are on Parliamentary. His comments come uh, on the back of the near fisticuffs in Parliament on Tuesday between Member of Parliament for Asin Central, Kennedy Ohine Japan, and his new patriotic party MP colleague Sylvester Tete of Botiano English Amamfro over what we understand had to do with non-payment of a debt. This happened at the blind side of the first Deputy Speaker, Joe Wusu, who was presiding and got the attention of journalists and those in the public gallery. It took the intervention of Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Afenyo Markin to walk out with Sylvester Tete and forestall any festicles between the two. Let's get more into this development by speaking to our parliamentary correspondent on this. What have we gotten on this issue since it broke out? I mean, what caused all of this? Well, like you said, the information we are picking is that this has to do with some unpaid debt owed Kennedy Japan by the English Ibochan Abang from MP. We do not have any much more details because as of yet, we have not been able to speak to the two members of parliament at the center of this. The other people who can give you some authoritative details in terms of what exactly happened is Alexander Fenyamakin, who is determined not to speak to any journalist on this issue because he considered this an internal matter, a house matter that he is dealing with. And so, like you see in the video, you see Kennedy Japan there in his chair, very frustrated, speaking out there uh, against the Statete. So the Statete had come to the leadership bench, he had spoken to another prayer and others for a minute or so and attempt to leave. And then Kennedy Japan accosted him right in the middle of the NDP pews 
pointed at him, they were exchanging words. Sitting was so long going at the time. In fact, at the, at the point, the member of parliament for Asuka was on her feet, contributing to a statement that had been made in parliament at the time. And she was also visibly confused because she did not know whether she was taking a seat, whether she's going to speak into the mic and draw the speaker's attention to what exactly was happening. And so she went on, but you could see that she was stuttering at some point because she had lost her train of thought. And those two MPs were exchanging words. They came so close to a point where they could nearly trade blows. And then, like you see in the video, Alexa and Afendomakin come in immediately, stand between the two men, walks out with um, the member of parliament for English, Botiana Mountfum, to try and calm Tempest. Kenneth upon come back to his seat. He's visibly frustrated, still throws his hands about, and you would hear him in the press gallery talk about, you are a small boy, who do you, who do you think you are? You know, that kind of language. And then your Kaikui Central Member of Parliament, Patrick Buama, who, who is one of the few members of Parliament on the NDP side who can actually go to Kennedy Japan and talk to him, goes to him, try and calm him down, eventually Kennedy Japan is calm. Eventually, mm-hmm. the two sides have, 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 have smoked the peace pipe. The majority leader, the deputy majority leader who was able to break the two apart has, has called them to his, his office later on the day. They trudged out whatever issue there is. They will not speak to the media except to tell us that, as far as they are concerned, this was an internal matter that they've been able to deal with. So, Kenneth mm. Japan has been, before you move on, has been like one of the members of parliament that is, is very difficult for the leadership on his side to deal with. Mm. In fact, there are very few members of parliament on the majority side can go and talk to him, especially because they did not back his presidential bid. Okay. And so whenever he comes in, he speaks to very few NPP MPs, and uh, sometimes confrontational. Okay. Last meeting, we reported about a member of parliament who went to Kenneth Apple to greet him, and Kenneth Apple just not him like that. And so today, it was, it was one of those days that people have described as an embarrassing day in the history of parliament. But this was happening right in the middle of the house. Mm. But everything that was presiding did not react to it, and eventually this has just gone to bad. And in terms of the parliamentary rules, this will be taken as though it didn't happen. Because mm. it will be it will be absent in the rules tomorrow. The votes and proceedings will not happen. Yes, all the other MPs, since the leadership are not speaking, all the other MPs are not also reacting on this. Have, have they said anything on it? Well, in, in Parliament, normally they like to protect their own, as they like to say. Mm. When it comes to the majority side, we understand there's a gag order. There's an order from the top that, listen, this is an internal matter that we want to deal with. And so don't go to any journalist and speak with them. And so I've been able to go to so many PMPs that I'm very close with to try and get an understanding of what is happening. They are only willing to provide you information of the record, but they are not going to speak to you on the record to give you what exactly might have happened and, okay. and all that. So that is the majority side. We would have expected that the minority MPs would have latched on it, probably raised the issue on the floor, because when it happened, almost everybody that mattered in the minority was there, the minority that was, was there, the, 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 the quips were all there. They did not raise it. Outside of the floor, they do not also want to speak about it because, of course, Kenneth Point is at the center of this. It's a bit controversial, but he also has deep connection, deep friendship with a number of MPs on both sides of the aisle. And so the, the, the view that is being put across in Parliament is that this is one of our own. Okay. It's an internal matter. Let us deal with it. So okay. it's been so difficult getting any MP to go on the record. Okay. All right. Uh, that's a quick question from Parliament today. Now let's bring in someone with in-depth understanding of what happens in Parliament. Uh, Dr. Rashid Brahman is the Executive Director of the Africa Centre for Parliamentary Affairs, ESEPA, and he joins us via Zoom with some perspective. Uh, Doc, I'm grateful for joining us. First off, uh, what makes this unparliamentary? You know, what um, makes it unparliamentary is 
you know, the visuals that we are seeing. I mean, nobody needs to say that this is not parliamentary mm. because um, what we wanted to show us on your screens is members of parliament seated uh, as uh, the honourable member is doing right now on their seats and dealing with the matters of our republic. Mm. Um, they pass laws and these laws are laws that are supposed to tell all of us that, you know, the best way to resolve our differences is, you know, uh, to use the law that they, they make for us mm. and not to resort in anything that uh, is outside of the law. And so when you have members of parliament trying to settle their differences in a way that is contrary to the laws and the norms that they set for us uh, as a society, mm. then I think uh, the question ought to be asked whether really uh, they are carrying the title mm. honorable that mm. we all accord to them. Okay. Uh, so for me, I think that that is, that is where the difficulty is. And I hear your correspondent talking about the fact that, you know, members of parliament don't want to talk about this, particularly those from the majority side, yeah. saying that this is an internal matter. Uh, I think I beg to differ. I mean, we have elected these people, they are public of officials, and uh, we all look up to them to resolve, I mean, the many differences that we have in this country. Mm. And so when this is in the full glare of the media, and all Ghanaians can see this, then somebody gets up and says, this is an internal matter, I think I beg to differ. Okay. And then the second point related to this is the fact that, you know, um, we have seen over the years that when it comes to, you know, holding their own to account, uh, Parliament has had a lot of difficulty. Um, time and time again, we've seen the Privileges Committee sit on matters that uh, border on uh, people conducting themselves not in a parliamentary manner. But I don't know whether you have any record. I don't. Mm. In terms of whether any member of parliament has ever been sanctioned, uh, not only in this parliament, but in all previous parliaments. Mm. Which mm. leads some of us to say, you know, if they are unable to hold uh, uh, one of their own accountable for their conduct, perhaps we should have a group of eminent Ghanaians who will be tasked with the responsibility of you know, enforcing some of these uh, codes in terms of how our members of parliament behave. Because that's very important. I mean, they need to earn our trust. Mm. And mm. you see, poll after poll, if you look up Afrobarometer, you look up all polls about who, I mean, citizens trust, uh, usually members of parliament do fare very well. Okay. And Okay. It's, it's, it's quite unfortunate. Mm, mm. But so, so going forward, what would be your recommendation as to how some of these and, and anything that would, can happen like this in future can be curtailed? Well, I think we now have new standing orders, and I am hopeful that I mean the courage and the will that the leadership of Parliament and the Speaker mustered to make sure that we now have these new standing orders which have some new provisions in terms of how to deal with matters that are uh, unparliamentary. I just hope that, uh, you know, they don't make the, the, the words 
and the sentences in those uh, uh, standing orders uh, become just mere words. Okay. I hope that the leadership will master the courage to ensure that at least for once we we'll begin to see uh, you know, some implementation of uh, the codes that they have developed for themselves to, to regulate uh, their own behavior. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here. Now, we do know that uh, the two sides, that's the two members of parliament, Kennedy Japon and Sylvester Tete, have reconciled. And we have visuals of what transpired after, you know, that uh, near crash in parliament. You know what? So in that visual, you saw um, the deputy majority leader, Fayo Makin, together with Sylvester Tete and Kennedy, a Japan reconciling there. Let's still stay in Parliament because members of Parliament are making an appeal to the National Security and the Ministry of uh, Water Resources to deploy water tankers to Tamale, which is suffering acute water shortages. MP for Tamale South, Harun Idrisu, who made an urgent statement on the floor of the House, explained that schools and hospitals are the worst affected, with some communities in the Tamale metropolis having not to have access uh, to water for months. And the matter relates to an acute water shortage in Tamale, a crisis that affects the daily lives of our constituents in the greater Tamale metropolis and its environs. And the acute... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Water shortage has gripped our city, leaving our beloved people parched and uh, desperate. May I speak at that as occasion, some immense hardship and impacting negatively on every aspect of life in the Tamale city. Whether from Gujaratua, Kudula, through Lamashegu, through Sanarugu, through Koblamagu, Kuku, or whether through Kutongle, or Pansi, or Sakasaka, or Sognai, or Sabonjira, the problem remains the same. And our people are seen carrying what is popularly known as the Kufuo gallons in search for water. Mr. Speaker, many of the communities have not even seen pipe-borne water in the last few years. In some areas for two years, no pipe flowing. And many of the rural areas, such as Toto, Yapala, Zoo, Kapaile, have to rely on dam water in order to be able to access uh, portable water. Because almost all the Tamale water projects have suffered delays. I do know that government came in with some 272 million euro assurance that there will be further development on the Biowater International Limited 
uh, water project, which was at Dalan, and to move it to uh, Yapi so that access could be expanded even to affect areas like uh, Tamangu. Now, Tamale is fast growing and is considered one of the fastest growing cities in West Africa and is becoming a major uh, problem for many of us members of parliament in that particular area. Mr. Speaker, accordingly, I want to, uh, 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 government to consider declaring Tamale a water scarce zone, allocate emergency resources to address the immediate needs of residents in the Tamale metropolis, and then deploy emergency water relief supply even if the Ghana Water Company can ration water around the community, it may alleviate the suffering of the people. Mr. Speaker, in conclusion, the water shortage in Tamale is a humanitarian crisis demanding urgent attention by government. Well, the other MPs in the metropolis, MP for Tamale Central, Mutala Mohammed, and MP for Tamale North, Al-Hassan Suhini, argued that uh, the metropolis has been expanding significantly, but without adequate provisions to expand the water supply system. Mr. Speaker, the challenges confronting Tamale South is not different from the challenges confronting the other three constituencies in Tamale, particularly on the issue of water. Mr. Speaker, this problem has been with us for some time now. And as the Honorable Member stated, it has affected every aspect of the life of the people living in Tamale. Students now go to school very late because they find it extremely difficult to access water. The metropolis is expanding day by day, yet the source or the sources of water for domestic use within the metropolis is still the same. The problem is made worse by the water table in the region. So for us representatives of the people, uh, we sometimes get to our wit's end when the problem is brought before us and assistance is being sought from us. Clearly, the Ghana Water Company uh, complains about the production uh, capacity of, of the company and the fact that uh, the only source of water, the Nauni for now, uh, is not enough to meet the growing demand of water as the city expands. It has also emerged at the Public Accounts Committee sitting today that government invested $12 million in setting up the controversial Japan mineral royalties in 2020. The minerals trading vehicle, which was established as a special purpose vehicle for trading mineral resources on behalf of government, came under serious public criticism from civil society organizations who raised questions of transparency and viability of the venture leading to its suspension. It emerged at the Public Accounts Committee sitting during the hearing of the Minerals Income Investment Fund that $12 million was spent on consultancy, office space, and other initial preparations leading to the setup. Listen to Chief Executive Officer of the Fund, Edward Nanaya Okoranting. Which is a royalties company and um, fully owned by the Minerals Investment Fund. Um, as honorable members are aware, uh, this was put on hold. Um, the main reason for Japan was to have it was to have the IPO done both in England and Ghana, um, but for um, quite a number of factors or reasons, the president advised that um, this be put on hold. So Japan is on hold at the moment. Um, we, we are not proceeding as of now. Um, with okay. regards to... Uh, no, a follow-up to that. Yes. Has uh, uh, MIF made any 
investment or uh, no expenses in relation to the setup of the uh, Japan? Yes, Honorable Chair. Um, definitely, because this was an IPO, and um, as Honorable Members are aware, for every IPO, consultants, etc., come in, um, the, the establishment of an office in the United Kingdom um, and also in Ghana, etc., come into play. So there have been expenses. The whole idea was for MIF to be reimbursed after the IPO. Um, but as the IPO is now suspended, um, we, we, until, until that suspension is lifted, we, we can't uh, move on with Ejapa. How much have you spent so far in relation to Ejapa? I'll get the exact figure, but it should be circa, uh, should be around 12 million. 12 million? Yes. Dollars? 12 million dollars, right? 12 million dollars. Okay. Yes. Which is. Now, another issue that came up today is the government's inability to pay Ghana National Petroleum Corp Corporation, G GMPC, over $23 million, 17 years after the sale of Western Telesystems, Westel. Now, James Averji uh, joins us with some uh, now, uh, details via Zoom. James, it came out that this $23 million is just a portion of long-term debt the government of Ghana and other agencies owe the GMPC. Tell us more. Yes, great. So this was part of a total of some 208 million U.S. dollars owed by the government of Ghana itself, the uh, Minister of Finance, the Ghana National uh, Gas Oil, as well as the Tema Oil Refinery. Now, this $23 million in question actually is actually uh, the share of GNPC in uh, then Westel, uh, which was a telecommunications network, sold to uh, another company, then later acquired by Zane Group, uh, turned into Airtel, then Airtel Tigo to, uh, uh, in present days, which is uh, actually been under negotiations for sale. So at the time, government sold its 75% share in Westel, which amounted to some 120 million US dollars. Mm. And part of that money, which is a $23 million, was supposed to be given to GNPC, who also hold, held some uh, amount of share in that. That is the money since 2007. Government uh, is yet to uh, give back to GNPC as part of their shares in the sale of that telecommunications network. Mm. Uh, there was also the concern over a $29.5 million disbursement from the Petroleum Holding Fund. How did GNPC explain this payment? Bruce, if you would remember, uh, when the, this whole energy sector debt uh, conversation came up, uh, there was a conversation, government brought up a conversation, including the ECG, on the need to renegotiate part of the deals are, uh, agreed with the independent power producers, which is the take or pay part of the agreement. Now, the GMPC noted that when this agreement uh, was reached, when government decided to abrogate the take-or-pay part of this agreement, uh, the IPPs at the time had incurred some costs, that is somewhere 20, uh, 2021, 2022. Mm. And so they had to make this payment uh, at the time to avoid any form of a judgment debt uh, in the future and all of that. And so they had to use this uh, at $29 million, which they captured in the Auditor General's report as unclarified payment to free of the uh, uh, debt actually in, uh, incurred by these IPPs 
when government decided to abrogate the take or pay. So that's the cost uh, the take or pay abrogation brought to the government of Ghana, Grace. All right, thank you very much. That's James Averji there. Now to other stories, females in the Savannah region of Ghana, um, you know, we understand are the most fertile for childbirth, accounting for 5.8% of total fertility rate in the country. We have more of this uh, story uh, later in the bulletin. Uh, now uh, we'll take a quick break. When we return, we'll have details on the story and more. Across Africa, a new era has begun. Shifting our focus to a new horizon, connecting us with one purpose, to create and share opportunities to grow. brighter tomorrow, built by our dreams and our energy. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. We are the university with 26 years of excellence in education now in Ghana. We are both the university offering degree programs in health information management, software engineering, network security and computer forensics. Admission is in progress with up to 50% scholarships for the first 150 students. Locate us at East Ligon near ANC Mall. Call 0302-523782 or WhatsApp 020-990-4714 for more details. Both the university, vibrance, innovation. Days are extremely busy. Traffic jams. Meetings. Conference calls. Luckily, our mom is here to take good care of us with day-by-day -day baby and day-by-day -day kids. And they're naturally active ingredients. Our skin is hydrated, soothed, and protected all day long. Yes. Across Africa, a new era has begun. Shifting our focus to a new horizon, connecting us with one purpose, to create and share opportunities to grow. brighter tomorrow, built by our dreams and our energy. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. Daddy? Daddy? Oh, this tank is 
big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it's further into spoiler. That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Welcome back from the break. Now, resident of Duaponko and Kwaman are among communities in the Efija Kwabre North District of the Asante region who have had to battle Buruli Ulcer as a result of challenges in accessing good quality water. They are therefore excited at the installation of a new mechanized borehole to ease their plight. The intervention from Pekan Energies Ghana Limited in collaboration with the. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este. Comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Purely also Victims Aid Buva Foundation will supply clean water to over 1,500 inhabitants. Here's a report by Clinton Yeboah. Ghana is the second most endemic country of Bruli ulcer in the world, affecting more than 5,000 people. Bruli ulcer is a neglected tropical disease which thrive in warm, humid environments like those found in the Diaponko community. Some of the communities in the Afija Kwabri North District risk drinking and using stagnant streams and pools, which are a perfect breeding ground for the bacteria. This stream is one of the streams that serve about two communities, including the Diaponko community. Residents say that they have no choice but to use this water as their only source of water for as long and as many years that they can remember. This means that they overlook the security as well as the health complications of this stream. This is what we have been drinking. Unfortunately, we have to share this with roaming animals. We understand the infection, yet we have to share it with them. We have been drinking from the ground, despite the rampant potential diseases. Emmanuel Aguma, president and founder of the Bruli Ulcer Victims Aid Foundation, says aquatic insects identified in some streams in the area expose residents to infection. He indicated the urgency of the situation influenced him to seek assistance from Pecan Energy's Ghana Limited. I approached Pecan Energy Ghana for some time ago and together today we have brought some hope and happiness to the people of Diaponko and its surrounding villages. If you look at the stream over here, this was the water the people of Diaponko and the people were drinking. 
and as you can see some aquatic insects as we believe in uh, disease prevention and treatment once you will limit children access to water bodies like this you are also limiting their access to infection to several diseases especially like bruliosa i know that through picking energy we've provided them a clean water which i know will help them to reduce a lot of waterborne diseases Pecan Energy's Ghana Limited sponsored the installation of a borehole, provided 3,500 test kits for yarns and 15,000 antibiotics to help fight the brulee ulcer diseases. Edward Ayer, who represented Ms. Khadija Amwa, the CEO of Pecan Energies, says the project forms part of its corporate social responsibility, which will create a huge impact on the inhabitants of Diaponko. This project is very critical to Pecan Energies. As I indicated, it forms uh, part of the pillars of corporate social responsibility, which includes our education, health, livelihood, and infrastructure. We received this request, and having assessed it, we realized that it will create a big impact in the health of the people. I mean, it's one of the key com communities that will fall outside our special communities in which we operate, because we are basically operating from the Western region, but we believe in Ghana. Reporting for Joy News, Clinton, Yabwa. Now, the Ghana Statistical Service has revealed that 85% of women who use family planning, including emergency contraceptive, do not discuss with health personnel and hospitals before use. This is contained in the latest Ghana Demographic Report on Fertility and Family Planning released by the Ghana Statistical Service. This report also you know, identified that, uh, that there are other regions that use uncontrolled childbirth during the period under review. More of that shortly, but first, let's share with you what the Ghana Statistical Service has put together on this. Now, it says that in 1988, if you look at the fertility rate in Ghana, the trend from 1988 coming, 6.4%, it dropped to uh, 52 and then it came to 39 in 2022. Now, the survey also um, reviewed more educated women are pushing their childbirth to their 40s. And um, uh, here again is the Deputy Government Statistician, Dr. Faustina Frimpon in Angwa. And again, good news for Ghana, it seems that within Ghana, we, our trend, the hip, is on 25 to 29. And so what we call is that is the late fertility. Early fertility is when you see it occurring at 20 to 24. And then broad is when it spreads from 24, even up to 34. And by age 40, people are wrapping up. And then the 45 plus them, sometimes it's just a pension baby, it's a mistake, or somebody who throughout their life has never had a child and therefore will go all length to be able to get one. And so Ghana is pushing to late fertility. So we are delaying our fertility of having the much bulk of us giving birth very early in the life cycle. But what does this really mean for the country? Let's get on to the phone at the Zoom now and speak to someone who knows about this. Professor Eugene Dutte is Professor of Social Dimensions of Sexual and Reproductive Health of the Department of Population and Health, University of Cape Coast. Prof, I'm grateful for joining us here. Must we be worried? Uh, Prof, kindly on mute so we can, we can hear what you're telling us. Yeah, good evening, um, um to your cherished listeners and viewers, I think that we must be worried about this trend uh, because, like um, the deputy statistician said, 
the most appropriate time is between the early 20s, finishing around um, age 34. Because um, evidence shows that pregnancy after age 35 is a risky pregnancy. And so if women are going as far as 40 before giving birth, then it comes with a lot of challenges. Mm. So, so if that's the case, then what must we do to change the trend? Well, I think that um, if you look at organization and development and the time, how much time women are spending in school, it's, it's very difficult to really get women giving birth in the early 20s. Mm. This late fertility um, that we're talking about, or childbirth that we're talking about, exposes the women to risks such as um, preeclampsia, um, high birth weights or low birth weight in some cases. And most of these women are likely to um, experience ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages and other things. This poses a lot of risk to the woman. To ensure that we can have our women deliver early or give birth early, we need to find a way to encourage them to have fertility behavior um, side by side with the pursuit of career or mm. education. Because really, if you want to wait, if you look at how much time we spend in school, people are coming out of school post around 25 years. You want to work, you want to settle, and you want to advance in your career. Really, you don't have the time to um, engage in childbirth. Mm. But do we want to continue like this? I think that the advice would be to let women take breaks between their pursuit of education and career and, give, and attend to this very essential family, um, need, family life needs. Mm, interesting. If, if they don't, they're exposing themselves to a lot of risk, and they're exposing the young ones also to a lot of risk. The risk do not come to only the women who are giving birth, but also to the, child, the children who are being born. Some of these children, like I said earlier, would have challenges with their weight. Some would even have some chromosomal abnormalities, which, in essence, will create a lot of challenges for um, our future population. Mm. All right. Uh, Prof, I'm grateful to you for joining us here. Now, Thank let's just stay much. with the yes. health sector because the World Health Organization is blaming the alarming rate of mental, uh, maternal mental health disorders in Ghana on the lack of policies to protect such vulnerable groups. This comes on the heels of a study by the World Health Organization, which indicates that about 50 to 57 percent of pregnant women and mothers in Ghana experience clinical depression during and after childbirth. 13% of this figure who experience severe depression end up committing suicide. Rejoice Semifa Besu has more in the following report. Globally, about 10% of pregnant women and 13% of women who have just given birth experience some form of mental disorder primarily due to depression. Some of these mothers are compelled to commit suicide in severe cases. According to the World Health Organization, about 50 to 57 percent of women in Ghana suffer from maternal mental health issues, with depression being the most common case. Lead consultant for the World Health Organization on Maternal Health Dissemination Project, Dr. Promise Sefoga, attributed the prevalence of the disorder due to a lack of screening and policy. So when a woman is pregnant, her body produces a lot of hormones that help her to go through the stress of pregnancy. Two of them we call estrogen and progesterone. So these hormones help to stimulate what we call feel-good factors in the woman so that she is okay to cope with the stress of pregnancy. 
after delivery, when the placenta comes out, the estrogen and the progesterone levels drop. But it's the same time that new baby stresses come up. So the woman who is predisposed begin to suffer anxiety, what we call postpartum blues, what we call perinatal depression, where she feels low in energy, unhappy. And the most severe form is what we call postpartum psychosis. Some of them get so severely depressed that they commit suicide. Suicide is just a sign of severe depression. In the very severe cases of postpartum psychosis, the woman feels that there is something about to happen to my baby, which is more terrible than the baby dying. And as a result of that sensation, they kill the baby. Unfortunately, our health system does not have provisions for screening. So from what I've said, these disorders can happen to anybody. What is needed is for us to pick it up early or pick the warning signs. Then we do very little to avert major complications. And that is what is lacking. In Ghana, for now, we do not do routine screening for pregnant women. Now, the dream of every Ghanaian parent is to see their children through school and guide them to become responsible adults in future. But that is not the case of Emmanuel Sakwa, who lost his dad at a young age and has fended for himself ever since. The brilliant senior high school graduate who dreams of becoming a medical doctor someday now finds himself on the street of Accra, working two jobs to cater for himself and save some to further his education. My colleague Kenneth Jesse has more of him in this report. The traffic jam in most of Accra's busy highways usually frustrates commuters as long, productive hours are wasted in traffic on a daily basis. But that is where some traders also earn a living. They showcase their items to commuters when the gridlock starts to build and sometimes chase after moving cars when a passenger tries to purchase an item just when traffic begins to ease. 24-year-old Emmanuel Sakwa is one of such people. The SHS graduate works two jobs, selling plantain chips in traffic and recording the number of imported cars that have just been retrieved from their containers at the Tema Harbor. I has completed SHS, that's 2021. So this is what I normally do to earn some money because... You can't just be in a house or you can't just go and steal as a man. You need to work. You need to, I mean, find something to do so that you get something for yourself. As well as having a family to, most of times, your parents may need some help from you so that you can also help. So, it's, some will say it's hard, but we are able to go through, through Christ. Emmanuel, who originally comes from the central region of Ghana, lost his father at a young age. He moved to Accra to seek for a better future. Not knowing anyone in the capital, Emmanuel lived in a rented kiosk as it was the cheapest form of accommodation he could afford. He now lives at the church he worships with a dream of becoming a doctor someday. Emmanuel is saving some of the monies he earns from his two jobs to further his education. It's my dream of becoming a doctor. And 
I know that will take a long way in the school, but as long as I was able to pass well, at any moment I be able to go to school. It's, it's not easy, so I just have to take time then plan well and save as well, so that if I'm able to enter, I may not go through difficulties in terms of any money issues or any stuff. So. I've lost my dad, and my mom is alive in the central region, so I stay, I stay in a church. Not long, let's say that was last year. I was staying in Accra here at some place, so I got the chance to stay at the church there was what I really could. Emmanuel explains how he is able to combine two jobs. I work at Tema, it's a shift work, so you go for day one week, night one week, then you go for off. So when I'm on night, the daytime too, I used to sell something. So when I'm in the morning, that's when I don't get, I don't come here to sell. So. It's day, it's ninth, and then off. That's what I get time to sell this. Emmanuel Sakwa performed very well in his WASI exams. He had six A's, one B, and a pass. He remains hopeful that he'll make it someday so he can take care of his mother and siblings and further his education to become a medical doctor who will help save lives. Kenneth, Jesse, for Joy News. What a story. Wishing all the best for the future. Well, this is still Joy News Prime. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with showbiz. Please stay. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.